Friends, welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations about ordinary Christians, honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I've only said that like 110 times. I should probably be able to get it right. Uh, but anyway, it's okay. You guys know what I mean. I'm your host, Eric Nevins. Thanks for being here. And uh, if you haven't uh, reviewed and given us a rating in Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player, please go and do that. Today, we've got a guest. I'm excited to uh, hear his story. He's the founder and CEO of JumbleThink, which is a number one podcast. Uh, we'll talk about that maybe a little bit. And uh, and uh, he's also you know, married and, and a dad, and he's a he's a business guy. I can't wait to hear his story, Michael Woodward. Michael, welcome to Halfway There. Hey, so glad to be here. Excited. Uh, it's just been fun getting to know you. Yeah, you too. Um, we So, I've been mentioning the New Media Summit where we met uh, over the last few weeks as I talked to people who I met there. And uh, it was great. You and I didn't connect to the last day. And, and it was, right. our regret is that we didn't because we had a lot in common. <laughs> uh, but I'm glad to have the opportunity to just speak with you now. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're doing? And then and then after that, we'll, we'll go back and see how God brought you here. Yeah. So I run an agency. We do web work. Uh, development, design, consulting, coaching, uh, and pivoting a little bit more into speaking and less of the development side. And then we have the podcast, actually two podcasts now. The second one launched uh, the day we're recording here. Uh, and uh, so JumbleThink Podcast, it's all about entrepreneurs who have taken their dream and idea and turned it into reality. So just creating mm. the, in that space. Yeah. That's awesome. What's the new podcast? So the new uh, podcast is an iteration on the same theme. Basically, what we're doing is is a shorter format. The main podcast is, oh, 45 minutes to an hour and a half for a lot of the guests. And uh, feedback we were getting was, we love your podcast, but we can't fit in two episodes a week and feel like we can do it, whether it's on a commute. They have other things we want to listen to. And so... I, there were some guests that just weren't a great fits for the JumbleThink podcast, or, uh, we're also doing something different on the B side, which is video, uh, That's live cool. video on Facebook live. And so, uh, there are some guests that we just feel like it's the right fit to have them over there, uh, because of the format and the value that they bring is going to be much more consumable to a larger audience through the, the second podcast called the B side. So uh, we're going to have a lot of guests back and forth between them. And uh, it's, again, just talking to people that had an idea and dream, turned it into reality. And, um, and yeah, that's that's the B side. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, being a podcaster, you know, I love that. I love I love what you're doing with the show, uh, with both of them. So that's, uh, friends, if you want to, you should go out to your, to whatever app you use and subscribe to both of them, JumbleThink and the B side. And check those out. I think you'll be encouraged, uh, you know, even if you're not into like the business business shows, I think you'll be encouraged by them. So, oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, so let's. Uh, I want to dig into your story a little bit. You, I know that you uh, have been following the Lord for a long time since you were a little kid. Tell us. Right. Tell us about that. I grew up in the church, and I grew up in central Pennsylvania, so strong Mennonite background in this area, the Brethren movement. The, uh, there's a lot of different movements there that come from a little bit more of a traditional faith journey. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I grew up in those settings. I grew up in those churches. 
sitting in the services, going to youth group there and uh, accepted Christ at a very young age. It just was natural as a cultural fit for where we were. And then, you know, the moment I think that faith became real was in high school. Mm, yeah. Uh, because, you know, I, I believed in Christ, followed Christ. But then it came a moment in high school where I, I had to make a, a choice. Do I want to live a compromised life of believing in Jesus but not walking out that faith? Or do I want to uh, live an engaged uh, life as a follower of Christ? And so in high school, that changed sometimes who I was hanging out with or what we talked about or the different circles that I hung out with. And uh, it redirected a, a compass for my life to say, hey, uh, this is what's important and significant for my journey and became a foundational part. Whereas before it was kind of a side note. Oh, yeah, we're going to youth group tonight. It was where you hung out mm. with your friends. Yeah, uh, we're going to church. And so that was the pivot, I think, moment for me was where faith became significant and not just an afterthought. Yeah. So what was it that made you finally make that choice, that conversion? I think there's a series of things, as there often is. Yeah. Uh, I think one of them was um, I was involved in marching band and other elements there. And I just I, I wanted to be involved with something that had impact and could change the world. And I think there's nothing more life changing and uh, culturally shifting than the message of Jesus and mm-hmm. the sacrifice and 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 walking out that that belief of saying, hey, I'm going to follow his teachings. I know the sacrifice he took for dying and resurrecting. And and so for me, uh, just saying, I think there's something bigger. There is a more significant story that God has for me. And if I don't choose to live this way and, and choose to walk with him, um, then that message, that purpose isn't going to be fulfilled. Around the same time, I switched churches. Uh, it's a sister church to the church I was going to, and uh, the church I was at was awesome. And the youth pastor was incredible, a great friend, and moved to this other church. And, and that pastor just challenged me in new ways, had a different uh, way of, of approaching discipleship and mentoring. And so he just called the best out of me. And mm. so what was a good faith turned into a deep faith. And it was him calling me into something more and saying, hey, I see more in you than you see for yourself. And I I think the combination of those both really were pivotal in that journey of saying, "Uh, let's let's do this differently. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. You know, we talk a lot about community here and how community Mm -hmm. can uh, really shape who we become. And I think that's that's fascinating. It was a you know somebody who could see that in you and and you know explain to you that this is actually goes much deeper, and um, you know you could grasp onto it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Wow. So okay, take us into kind of how that began to take root, how the message of Christ began to take root in your life, and how you learned. Like, what was that like? Uh, do you have any moments when you kind of had those experiences of grasping something about God or his love or something where it was like an aha light bulb moment for you? Yeah. So for me, uh, the message that's so foundational is identity, knowing who Christ cre- created you to be. And that journey of experiencing him and then walking into the dreams and destiny he's given you. All right. So that sounds good, but how does that walk out? Well, for me, uh, I had lined up 
to go to a great uh, music college, study music, traditional um, um, band instrument, tuba, uh, <laughs> if I was a tuba player, and also sound engineering production. I had worked in a lot of pro audio settings, working with big festivals and uh, famous musicians and all that kind of stuff. And, That's cool. Um, and a friend of mine, he said, hey, Mike, I, I want you to come over. A bunch of us are getting over uh, at our house. His name's Jacob Whitmer. And I said, oh, okay, great. Let's do it. So they had a big barn behind their house, and the, the barn had been converted from a farm barn to a, a fun barn. So it was like TVs and everywhere that a kid would want to hang out. You know, there's pool tables and foosball. And, uh, and so I go over. And we're hanging out. We're having a fun time. There's probably about 20 of us there. And, and it's the peer group. It's the people from the various churches that, that um, we just were very related to each other from the standpoint of hanging out uh, across churches and stuff as youth groups. And so I'm hanging there and uh, we're all wrapping up. We're getting ready to call it a night and I get ready to walk out. And Jacob says, hey, no, 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 no. I wanted you to stay for after we hung out too. I, I have something to show you. I, I think it's important. And around this time, I had already pivoted and said, you know, I think God's calling me to do something deeper after high school. And so uh, I had decided maybe I'm going to pivot what I'm doing from music into some kind of ministry or pastoral care or something like that. So I had scheduled for in June uh, a trip. It was the year before we gradu- or I graduated, so my junior year into my senior year, to go down with my parents to Asbury in Kentucky. Yeah. Um, and check it out and just see what it's all about. And so, um, he says, Hey, you know, I have something to show you. So he sits me down he goes, this is where I'm going to school. It's this place called Brownsville. It's in Pensacola. They're really having a move of God and it's transforming people's hearts. I think you're supposed to go to their school of ministry. And I'm like, no, I have it all figured out. I have it all. The plan is all in place. I, I'm good to go. And then over the next week or two, you know, we're, we're a couple weeks out from going to Asbury to finalize going there, you know, saying, hey, I'm making my commitment. This is the school I'm going to go to. And so uh, we get a letter back from Asbury. Hey, we regret to hear that you've decided not to attend here and all that kind of stuff. We're like, we didn't cancel. What are you talking about? Wow. We start getting phone, phone calls from Pensacola. And every time we'd answer, it would just be a dead phone. And then uh, my mom is at a, a conference she wasn't supposed to be at. And the guy who's speaking, uh, a guy named Tommy Tenney, he wrote God Chasers and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, he says, uh, hey, my assistant is here. And he just graduated like a couple years ago from the School of Ministry in Pensacola. And so um, uh, he comes up and he goes, hey, my parents are in here in town for a funeral. They live in Pensacola. Can you stand up? And so he has them stand up and they're sitting right beside my, my mom. And wow. they're on staff at that school. So on that journey, it was just like this, this divine intervention, which gets kind of out there for some people, but it was just very much God leading me in the right direction to say, these are good things, but I really want you to go down this path. And so for me, that was the journey of going so much deeper and learning about the things of God and experiencing his heart for us. Yeah. So tell us about what you found at Brownsville. Like, what was that, what was that experience like? Yeah. So for those who don't know, Brownsville in the 90s, late 90s, mid to late 90s and early 2000s experienced uh, what they called revival, which uh, they had speakers come in and stuff yeah. like that. It lasted for years. And uh, I think they said over 4 million people came to visit the church there, believers, non-believers, because God was doing something special there. Yeah. Um, so I went and 
uh, I, I only ended up going there for a year. I was supposed to go there for three years to get my degree. And, uh, and it was just revolutionary. It really made me rethink the move of God, how God moves in our lives, how, uh, he uses each of us, uh, to impact each other and to see, uh, you know, one story I think of that, that is my favorite story out of all the Brownsville is that when we were students, we were required to do one of a couple things, some kind of outreach, uh, some kind of ministry thing or an internship somewhere. So on Friday nights, they would go out and do evangelism. And I was like, yeah, I can go do that. I'll go down to the, the boardwalk on the beach and I'll do evangelism. So we go down there and it's a group of like probably 50 of us or maybe more. Uh, and we so, get down there and we're wrapping up the night. We've talked to people, shared the gospel. It's way out of my comfort zone to do it that way. And these two guys come over and they're just cursing us out and they're drunk as a skunk, you know, mm-hmm, uh, and yeah. just going on and on and on and just like you religious people and just cursing us and all that kind of stuff. And this guy, this big, big guy walks over and takes the one that's being very much the most voice and forceful in this. And he just gives him a hug and says, I love you. And the guy goes from like completely mad drunk to like this moment of clarity. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen probably. Yeah. But just seeing that to see that God, the simple, simple love of Christ through somebody to somebody else can change their mindset in a moment. Uh, and we ended up spending hours with those two people and I don't know whatever happened to them. They were homeless and that kind of thing. But for that night, their their lives were touched. And to see that, that's what I think of when I think of the revival is that people were taking a risk to share uh, God with others and seeing their lives transformed. Yeah. I remember hearing about that back at, during that time, about the yeah. revival in Florida, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting. Very interesting. Okay. So you, you said you were there for one year? Yeah. So... I had gone down there and uh, planned to do three years. That would have given me my degree and uh, credentialing as a pastor. And uh, the guy that oversees the music department at the school, he calls me up. And and in the week before, I had said to my roommates, I would love to go work for this guy. His name's Bill and Sira. He had worked at Times Square Church for David Wilkerson. Uh, he had worked at uh, some big churches, Christ Community in, in Nashville. He had produced in Nashville and wrote in Nashville. I was like, I would... I would love to go work and be his uh, his assistant, you know, and just get to learn. And I, I was sharing that with my college roommates, and it was the end of the first semester, and he calls me up and says, hey, what are you doing for the summer? And I said, I'm staying in Pensacola and working. He goes, why don't you come work for me? I just took a job in Houston, and I need an assistant. So I ended up wow. uh, going to work for him, doing the job I wanted to do, uh, learning directly instead of through classes from the guy I wanted to learn from. It was just a move of, it was a divine uh, moment of connecting the right people. Yeah. How did that take you deeper in your faith? How did it change your view of God? It it changed it for better and worse. Um, That's interesting. And and so uh, the church itself was a great church in a lot of ways. They did a lot in the community. And so in those moments, uh, I saw what Christ really meant to be a church and to go out and serve the least of these, to go into the Hispanic slums of Houston or Mm, to go into uh, these broken people, uh, whether it's economic, whether it's uh, because of they're they're coming from 
Mexico, whatever that is. And uh, so from that, I learned uh, God really painted the picture of what the church could look like. On the flip side, uh, I also learned a lot about what the church shouldn't look like during that time because of some of the leadership stuff and the things going on. It was uh, a small church for Houston, but that was like still 6,000 people. So, um, <laughs> um, and so for me in that season, what I learned was uh, a couple things more of uh, because the guy I was working for was specifically around music and worship from a musical standpoint, I learned a lot about the the, the psalmist and about intimacy mm-hmm. with God through song. And that was just powerful because it gives you a voice. It gives you something that helps you focus uh, as you worship or as you praise God. But on the flip side, it, it showed me a lot about the church that Christ wanted and what he wants us to be. Yeah, like what? So... I think that in America, Western Christianity has really painted a picture of um, there. Okay, so there are two models of evangelism that are commonly thought about. Uh, there is the traditional: uh, we're going to go preach the gospel, we're going to do all this stuff, and and you look at the Catholic Church, and it's like we're going to be a, a a city on a hill, we're going to be that beacon, and they're outside of culture, and uh, and then they choose to engage culture. And then there's like this Celtic way of evangelism that says, no, the church is going to be in the center of community and we're going to actively be a part of community. Mm-hmm. And what I was seeing there was that uh, community for a church should be something that impacts the city around it, the people around it, believer or non-believer. If the church is only sustaining the growth of believers, then it's only hitting a small fraction of its destiny. Yeah. You know, Christ came to call us into a relationship. And so the church should be doing the same and going out there. And, and, and you know, for me, um, and I was just talking to a friend this morning about this. You look at uh, there's some crazy people doing stupid stuff in the church right now uh, that lacks integrity with, hey, I'm going to go get a jet uh, yeah. because I need it so I can travel. Or, hey, I'm going to use my power to influence people in a negative way. And 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 I got to learn how authority in churches can be healthy and how it can be bad through that season in Houston. Uh, Lots of great things happening there, impacting the city, going and feeding the widows and orphans, going in and starting churches in Hispanic slums, going in and remodeling and giving them hope and connecting them with doctors, seeing the physical representation of, of Christ's love in action, and then to see leadership things that were negative and hurtful and and it just taught me a lot about the the heartbeat of God in that. Yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. Does that make sense? It does, absolutely. I think it's fascinating. Um, you know, the body of Christ does not always operate the way you wish that it did, right? Because right. You, you still have, even though we are redeemed and we have this new heart, we are still in the process of being sanctified. And so, yeah. uh, you know, sin is still a factor, um, unfortunately. And uh, it's interesting how that impacts people. Right, because yeah. we sometimes the expectation is that we would be perfect, like as he is perfect, <laughs> and that's just not the case, unfortunately. And so it sounds like you learned that kind of up close and personal in a small church of six thousand people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and because of the relationship I had with the staff and my role, I got to get a front seat picture into the back workings and that kind of thing, which. Yeah really put me on the path of when I ended up in California working at a church because I wanted a missional church that said the church isn't confined by walls, but it's mm. confined and released by compassion. 
you know, Psalm 27 talks about it, where it says, you know, the Lord is my light and salvation. It goes through all the traumas the psalmist experiences. And at the end, my favorite part is he goes on to say, I would have despaired unless I believed I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Well, for most of us, that Mm. means we need each other. That's where we see the glory of God walked out, where we see our faith walked out, where we see our experience walked out with each other. And in that imperfection uh, with each other in relationships that are broken and with broken people, we still see the glory of God and the goodness of God. And, And that's just a beautiful picture. It is, it is a beautiful picture. That is amazing. Okay, so you you go to California. Yeah. And uh, so tell us about that, like, experience, how this... So were you... So I want to ask this question. How did it affect your faith to see kind of the inner workings there? Like, did that... Because I know some people have been... They get a little bit disillusioned by that and like, oh, this can't... You know, this is not what I thought it was. Uh, did that? Did you have that kind of experience, or was it just kind of led you to try to find a new community that was that maybe lived yeah. up to the expectation better? That is a great question, and I've never really thought about that. Um, and just looking back, I think what it did is I felt like I was going into a new season where I was able to be a part of creating vision and direction, and that's what happened at the church I ended up working at in Northern California. Uh, I was one of the ministry heads, one of the associate pastors over a pretty substantial part, one of three executive pastors uh, on the team. And uh, what it taught me was the kind of leader I wanted to be and how Mm. I wanted to lead and how I wanted to treat people and and really reinforce, like, does my action, does my belief system uh, bear out as true if I measured against Christ? I, I always... Uh, well, not always. Lately, I've been saying, I don't think I can call myself a Christian anymore. Uh, because what's that? That's interesting. Tell me about that. <laughs> okay. Because Christian is a cultural term, uh, in our society. It's like, oh yeah, of course I'm a Christian. I go to church just like, uh, of course I eat fast food. I go to McDonald's <laughs> and, you know, and, and it's this consumer mentality and it's not measurable. What do you measure Christianity as? Well, you can say these different things, but when you put it in a context of cultural or politics or something like that, it becomes a very jaded definition. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see it biblically there. So for me, I look at biblical and I say, you know what? If I say I'm a follower of Christ, people around me can say, look, this isn't the way you're acting, the way you're moving, the things you're doing. They don't align with being a follower of Christ. Because if you're following and you're saying that this is what you believe and this is what he taught and this is how he lived – your decisions aren't being borne out in your actions. And so it's a measurable and quantifiable uh, message because we remove the cultural context of Christianity out of our Western philosophy, yeah. and we can really define it by biblical truth. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I, well, I love that you said that because I've been wrestling with this for a little while of like, what am I? Like, where do I actually fit? Mm-hmm. You know, um, And so I think that's helpful. Um, I've been trying to say, well, I'm maybe not an evangelical, I'm a post-evangelical, but that's I even got other people have defined that term, and so maybe it's not right. Because um, I don't, I still believe all the same stuff. I just trying to strip the politics out of it. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> Completely. But also, I've, recently I've come to this place where I've said, well, I'm a, I'm not a mystic. I kind of want to be a mystic, but I'm not. I'm more of a, I'm more of a contemplative, which mm. is a whole different kind of set of of yeah. practices and and beliefs but yeah interesting so i think defining like finding those words you know 
defining them right is is really helpful. Well, and I think uh, it's when we can have an even playing field where everyone's on the same terms of like how we're defining something. I mean, we, when when I'm on a podcast and I'm doing a topical episode about something, I will always say, okay, we're talking about, let's say we're talking about faith. Yeah. I will come in and say, this is our definition of faith because when you have a, a, a common defined, then you can have a conversation that actually has substance. So by moving from Christianity, because everyone has an interpretation of their own view of Christianity to I'm a follower of Christ, well, then the actions are measurable and the definition is much more uh, pure and much more absolute, which makes it a lot harder because now I'm accountable to that. Right. With as Christianity, uh, you can put contextual uh, culture on that and, and morph it into something it's not. You look at the prosperity movement, you look at uh, some of the faith movements, and there's a lot of good things about those, but there's also a lot of bad things. And so by removing that context and coming back to absolute truth, which is the foundation of, of biblical teaching, then it's measurable, it's actionable, and it gives you a roadmap that's much clearer. You don't have to sift through uh, you know, uh, nuances of a definition. You can just come in and say, ah, it's pretty clear. Jesus yeah. is pretty clear. <laughs> so <laughs> he is. Yeah. If you take him for what he says, absolutely. Um, okay. So have you had a time when you had a, like a, a time when God felt far away or felt like he was, you kind of hit the wall spiritually or anything like that? Yeah. I think all of us uh, who have lived faith for any period of time um, go through those seasons. And for me, I uh, can think of numerous ones. Yeah, What's where it was just like, like uh, you're living in a fog. You're like, I know God, you're there, but I don't think I'm experiencing you. Scripture is not really speaking to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't feel like my prayer time. I'm really getting revelation from you. Uh, where are you? Yeah. You know, it's that whole lament, which I think the church has done a really bad job of really capitalizing on because it's a, it's in the psalmist, like. God, where are you? You've basically, all this stuff's happening. And so that lament, I think, is a powerful tool in faith because it it teaches us a lot. So for me, to answer your question, lots of them. And one that comes to mind real quick is we had built a very substantial business uh, for my agency as I transitioned out of working in the church world, did that for several years, built it up. And through a set of like two or three six situations, we went from like doing really, really well to being like very, very bad off. Yeah. And, um, and it was just like, God, you know, we've been faithful to what we felt like you called us to do. Where are you? And then not feeling like you get an answer or clear direction on what the next step is. And you just kind of have to rest in this place of the unknown, which is like the most ridiculous place to have to live. And (laughs) it's hard. And so for us in that season, it's like, how are we going to pay people? How are we going to pay our bills? How, how, what are we supposed to be doing? Are we supposed to be living here? God, where are you? We can't hear you in this. And so, uh, you know, I'm going through a similar season now where it's just kind of like, God, I feel like I'm exactly where you have us as a family, as an individual. And yet, uh, a lot of things are adding up and being exactly spot on, but there are certain segments where it's just like, I don't see you moving in this area. And it's, it's so significant that I need you to move in this specific area of my life. And it's just like crickets. So it's this weird thing because it can be both highs and lows at the same time. Yeah. 
or you're like extreme faith. And so for me, I cling back to, okay, God, I know that I've seen your goodness in these situations before and cling on to those truths yes. uh, and saying like, you've always been faithful. Why would this be different? I don't see a breakthrough here. I don't hear your voice. I don't hear a clear definition. I feel like I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. Where are you? And just coming back and saying, but God, I know you'll be faithful. And that's the second part of the lament. Like, God, I'm like, things suck. And then on the flip side, but you're faithful, even though I don't know it, see it or experience it in this moment. Right. Yeah. And that's why Israel had all those times throughout the year where they remembered, right? Where they remembered the ways God was faithful or God, God had had uh, spoken to them or led them um, out of t- tremendous tragedy often. Um, yeah. Yeah, very, very interesting. So, I mean, is that, is it like when your business took that kind of dive, like how, so how did you engage God through that? And how did he, did, I mean, was it just gradual that he took you out of it? Or how did you kind of wrestle with your faith through that? I think sometimes we're looking for the end, Mm-hmm. There's a Hebrew word. I think it's Hebrew. It might be Greek. Achrit, the end. We're looking for that end. And really it comes back to sometimes there's refining going on. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's about changing you and your heart. For me, you know, I think that there were things that had to be smoothed out in my own life. And by going through those dark seasons of the soul. And uh, that's one of the things I like about the current Pope is like, he talks about for him, what that dark season of the soul looked like and makes it much more tangible. But I think going through those, sometimes they prepare us for the next breakthrough. And it's not about the breakthrough itself. It's about us being refined so that we're prepared to get on the other side of it. So like for me going through those times and, and being brutally honest, we had a client that didn't pay us like 60 grand. Um, and uh, there is a very long story behind it, but the short of it is, is that the guy that owned the company committed suicide, their assets were frozen. They couldn't pay us. Ouch. What do you do? You got employees, you got families to feed, you got rent to pay. What do you do with that? And, um, in that season, you got to come back and, and it can jade you. It can make you bitter, but it can also refine you and say, what are the areas like, like during that season, I probably became very arrogant in some areas. I became very, um, uh, this is me. I can do it on my own, self-sufficient. And, uh, and I moved out of a place of, of a lifestyle of faith and into a, a lifestyle of I'm, I'm good. I'm good at what I do. I'm, I'm, I'm the man, you know, as they say. And, and, uh, and that refining season, I think brought me back to an understanding of humility because it's easy in those situations to forget where you've come from. It's also easy in those situations where things are going so well to remember what it's like to be in those situations. So for me, being able to go back and and now I can relate to people on a a different level Mm. uh, and different experience and know what it's like to be completely at the end of your rope and just go, but God, I'm going to trust you. Because yeah. you've been faithful, and so I think it's a refining process. Yeah. So did did you eventually feel humbled? Like, did you have to? Well, I think what's interesting for me is that in situations I acted in ways that I didn't even realize I acted. Whether it's a uh, way I said something, or from a condescending like point of view when I would talk to dear friends and be like, you know, here I came from working at a church making a thousand dollars a month. 
right. and living in poverty, uh, not me personally, but living within poverty, working with drug addicts, come out of that, start a business. The business is super successful. All of a sudden you go back and you feel like, well, of course I have all the answers. You know, look at my success. Right. And so I think that in those, it becomes like, oh, I know how to solve this. I solve it. I solve stuff like this for companies all the time. It's easy. Let's just go do this. And I sometimes it's not about fixing it. It's about changing your heart. And I yeah. think we get into these situations where like, I want to fix it. And, and God's like going, no, I want to heal it. Mm. And so it's like uh, that perspective change for me is massive because it changes the source. It's no longer me. It's about going back to the source, which is God. Yeah, I'm being open to letting him do what he wants to do in the situation, right? I love that. Right. Um, yeah. You know, maybe we don't have to fix it, but God wants to heal it. So let's let's let him do that. Wow, that's yeah. really good. Sure. Okay, so what have you learned about yourself through all of this process? That's a great question. I think for me, some of the things that I've learned about myself on this journey of faith is that uh, yeah, you know, I go, I, I've gone through some really great seasons working with crazy people that only God could orchestrate and things that we've done. Uh, I've been through some very hard seasons. Um, and, and, and I think sometimes we think that because we've gotten through the season, we get a badge and we move on. But the journey of faith is one that's continually going deeper and for me, sometimes it's easy to get to a season where it's like, everything's good. I've arrived. I can just kind of hang out here. And God's like, no, I'm calling you deeper still. And I think most of us, at least for me, I, you know, you get to those moments of massive breakthrough or, or you're just swimming in the blessings of God. And you just go, I'm going to hang out here. And God's like, that's a good place to be, but that's not your end place. You got to keep going deeper. Yeah. And just because things are good doesn't mean you can hang out there. You got to push further. You got to go deeper. You got to keep that journey going and you could hang out here and that'd be fine, but you could have even a more amazing blessings or breakthroughs if you keep on that journey of faith and you don't just rest where you are at sometimes. Now, resting is good. I'm not saying don't rest. I'm saying like keep on pressing yeah. into the things of God, even in those seasons. Yeah. I, I think to that point, it's totally one of the messages that I want people to hear through halfway there is it's okay to be where you are right so yeah. if, you, if you're in a season of learning and like for for you it was it was learning at brownsville or you know for me it was like college I, I learned the bible in a way i'd never even heard before right like i just had to i dug into it deep and um there there are those seasons and sometimes then there's but then you have to you move on and it no longer satisfies and you need more of god in different ways yeah. And uh, so that's why the show's called Halfway There, right? We're we're only <laughs> we're only halfway, and we're always going to be growing, whether we we know it or not. So yeah, I love that. That's yeah. great. Wow. All right, how are you serving people today? Because I I know I mean you you talked about your business, but I want to hear a lot yeah. more about that. So tell us about that. Well, so the podcast itself has a simple premise. Uh, and we don't talk about this enough. And and uh, I think the summit that we were both at yeah. uh, challenged me in this area. So it's kind of cool because um, it's kind of, it's for me coming back. Uh, the Jumble Think podcast has a simple premise. We believe people were created for purpose, that God created them for amazing things, and that he wants them to figure out who they are through walking through faith. 
and then releasing them into their dreams and destinies, which are ultimately his dreams and destinies and designs for each of us. And so we like to talk to entrepreneurs who have turned an idea and dream into reality and tell their story so that we can tell others. There is nothing superhuman about any of us. There are people of a faith who have stepped out to make a risk and make it into a, a, a product or service or whatever it is. Yeah. There are people that are doing other things and uh, seeing their message just move across the world. For me, I look at it and I go, I don't care what your dream is. Um, I just care that you're living in it, that you're living in your purpose and destiny of what you're created to do. It, we, that's, that's what the podcast is about, telling that story. So from that standpoint, that's what we're doing at the podcast level. Uh, what we're doing in the local church and that kind of space is we're small group leaders. I play on worship team. But more than anything, I'm just trying to build friendships to say, you know what, no matter what, we can journey together on this. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, that's fantastic. It sounds like some of your experiences have really kind of led you to this sort of expertise and, and ways of kind of pulling out those stories. Yeah. Yeah, when you meet interesting people, which all of us are, you learn that all of us are much deeper and have much more to offer than what we typically do. Amen. And I think of drug addicts that are now uh, leading ministries that I worked with, that uh, their life, their story, their experience is now bringing hope to a new generation of addicts that are coming out of the meth addiction or wow. out of cocaine or heroin addictions. And and they have a roadmap that we weren't able to give them because we hadn't gone through that journey. But now they can say, hey, here's the road that works. This is the encounter with God that you're going for. This is how he can transform your heart. This is how he can transform your mind. And this is how he can give you a dream and destiny. And, and so when you hear those stories and you go, these are the most broken of broken people. And most of us in America think we have it all together because everything's going the way it should. And to see these people and go, if the least of these have a story that can transform others' lives, then none of us have an excuse. All of us have a story to tell. All of us have something to offer, and we just need to go there. Yeah. What do you think holds people back from that? From Fear. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, change, people say they like change, but that's a big lie. No one likes <laughs> right. change. Uh, I work with uh, a big church back here, and their dear friends and their staff uh, is awesome. And they like, it. We're, we're change agents. We like change. And I look at their actions. And I go, no, no, you don't. That's okay. That's right. fine. Just be honest about it. And so, um, change is difficult. And then stepping into the unknown, we talk a lot about the unknown, uh, around jumble think, whether it's the podcast or with customers or clients, it's the unknown is, you know, there's three unknowns, the, the known unknowns. I know I don't know this, the unknown unknowns, um, which are the things, you know, you don't know. And then the unexperienced unknowns, which are the things you don't know that you don't know. So yeah. kind of that level, the things, you know, that you don't know, the things that you don't know that you don't know and the things that you just don't haven't ever experienced. So it's just simply unknown. And so, uh, when you step into the unknown, you're, you're challenged with that fear. What if this fails? What if everything falls apart? What if, uh, I offend someone? What if, uh, I let my family down? What if, you know, and so for us stepping into that dream and destiny, it's easier to settle. And there is a misconception in our culture that says, if you follow this specific path, you go to high school, 
you go to college, you get a good degree, you'll get a good job. But for a lot of people, that's not what they're called to do. There's nothing wrong with that journey. It is a brilliant journey for those who are called to that. But for a lot of people, they're buying into a, a system and then they end up in a job that they don't like. They are around people that they they have no compassion for. They hate their life. They hate the family that they're in. And it all comes back to them settling on the status quo. Yeah. Well, I get a job. I can live comfortably and everything's going to be okay. But what if living uncomfortably, whether it's financially, whether it's in career, pushes you into something that just revolutionizes your family, your city, your church, your nation, the world. I mean, this is where people with messages that change, this is where people with products that have impact start is just saying, status quo is not okay. There's something better. That version of the American dream, right? Get an education, get a job, live in the suburbs. um, I think was probably good for a season, right? It's like, I think what we're seeing now is that you there, it's good to pull you out of poverty, right? It's good to build wealth. It's good to, to, um, you know, for maybe like a first or second generation, um, in coming out of, out of what really was, I mean, I look at my grandmother's house. My grandmother lived her whole life in like an 800 square foot house, right? Yeah. Or like a good chunk. My dad grew up in that house and I went there as long as I can remember until the last two years, that was where my grandma lived. Right. <laughs> but, and I and when I think about it, like wow, that was that was actually really. I mean, it was adequate for her, but it was really really small. Um, but I don't right because I've had a lot more opportunities, right? right? Like that's it's it's a whole different a whole different deal. And I think there's maybe a time, maybe it's in a family, but maybe it's like you know what, based on your experiences, when there's something more that you know you have, it's a really a privilege to pursue purpose. Right. Right. And so that, you know, if you have that opportunity, you have every obligation to go for it. And well, and I think, it. I think if you go even a little bit further, I think that, um, you know, you can delight in the things God has for you. Yeah. And often we, you know, we've talked about a little bit about your journey and the risk that you're taking and how your family, your wife has been so supportive and, and, uh, this journey that you're on, um, creating the podcast and the other things that you're creating. And, uh, and you know, you shared about being in that cubicle and how it was like the death march for you. Yeah, I think most Americans are in that death march where they're going, I, I just don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel God's purpose in my life is really what they're saying. Yeah. You know, and when you walk in that, I mean, you may not have as much money as you did before, or you may have more. I don't know. Not yet. But, uh, We're getting there. <laughs> We're getting there. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> but you probably feel a whole bunch more fulfilled and like you're where you're supposed to be and you're finding joy there and you're you're probably a better husband for it. You're probably a better family member. You're probably a better friend because now all of a sudden that, that thorn in your side of of being in a place that you weren't created to be has been removed. And so for you, now all of a sudden it's like, yeah, we have struggles, but those struggles are much more bearable because you know that you're in the place that you're supposed to be. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. That, obviously it relates to me a lot because it's me, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's yes, I totally get that. It's funny because I don't, I don't think many of us know, and I want, I want to hear more about your story, but I, 
I don't think many of us know how much burden we're carrying, right? Yeah. Uh, because there's all this weight of responsibility that we're 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 just doing the things that we're supposed to do. And yeah. um, I, I thought I was talking about this with or on a, on another conversation uh, recently uh, for the show. That uh, have you ever read Napoleon Hill's uh, Outwitting the Devil? Mm-mm. Oh man! And you know he's he's kind of it's he's interesting, right? It's it's some. Yeah. I'm not sure I endorse everything in there, but uh, he definitely has he has this idea of a of the a hypnotic rhythm, and he says you know your mm-hmm. creative rhythms you know control kind of who you become and what you what you've what's possible and uh anyway i had to i had to kind of break that i think many people it's helpful it's a helpful concept for many people uh for sure yeah anyway yeah for sure i want to go back to you because that's okay that's what this show's about (laughs) uh so what uh so you it's cool what what you're doing do you but you don't well do you make money from the podcast or is this like you're, you're helping business owners in your area as well yeah, that's uh, the journey we're on right now. <laughs> um, gotcha. We do make a little bit of money off the podcast. Uh, it's not a lot. It pays a car bill sometimes, uh, but <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> you know, it's not paying rent or anything like that. Um, and I, I think that that's, you know, we were at that event. We were talking about a minute ago, the summit. Yeah. And uh, it was so good to hear other people about how they do it and why they do it. And so many different perspectives on monetizing a podcast and everything. Um, so for me, it's really a journey of faith because we do basically right now we're doing four episodes a week at this point. Two wow. for the B-side, two for the Jumble Think podcast. Uh, it's a lot more work than... Uh, I mean, you know how that is, yeah. uh, putting out episodes. It's, it's a lot more work than people realize. Are, are you, you're constantly networking then? Like you're always looking yeah. for people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we have a lot of good relationships with people that book on our show for mm. us, um, that have approached us and they love our podcast and their guests really feel like it, it hits their audience and does well. And so we have a lot of people who go, Hey, I've got, Joe, Joe Smith and Joe Smith is whatever. And I think he's good fit for your podcast. And then I look at it and I go, yeah, he is. Or no, he's not. And so we probably get a handful of those a week enough to book out the episode. And then I, there are people that I really, really want to get on the podcast. Some I have, some I have not. <laughs> and, uh, um, like I, I tried to reach out to Tim cook and, uh, front CEO of Apple and, uh, they, their team reached out and said no. Uh, but it was a, a very nice no and a very honoring no. Um, yeah. But, you know, people like that. And so there are those people I reach out to. Yeah. Well, what I love is what that says about you, right? Is that you're like, I'm just going to ask and see what happens. Yeah. And, uh, dude, that is so, I've learned that here too, that you just have to ask. There there have been a few people that, uh, that you know, my tagline is about ordinary Christians. and But I believe everybody's ordinary in their own way, right? Like you, even if yeah. they've done some extraordinary things. So for me, um, like I had, I had John Schlitt on the show from Petra and which is, you know, I get it that they're not like the peak of popularity at the moment, but it, it was one of my heroes, man. And it was cool to just ask and reach out, but, and yeah. you're doing that too. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're, we're talking about this and, and, and I would be remiss not to say this. Um, there's a book that if this is the conversation today is resonating with people, I'd really recommend it's called the dream giver by Bruce Wilkinson. 
And, you know, you, you said the words, uh, you know, we're all ordinary and I agree with that a hundred percent, but what makes people special is that they choose to live a special life. Yeah. And so this is the journey of a nobody who becomes a somebody. And really it's about just a guy who uh, it's allegorical and it's teaching and it walks you through a process of dreaming and finding your identity and launching into that. Um, and, um, and that's the whole premise of the book. We're all ordinary. We just have to choose to do special things. That's it. Oh, amen. Amen to that. I think that's a good place for us to to wrap that up on. Anything else you want to share with us, Michael? Uh, I, the only thing I would say is uh, we've talked about it over and over again in this episode. Uh, God does have a purpose for you, and you are so much more significant than you realize. Um, and whether it's in your insecurity, you feel like you're bigger than you are, or uh, your insecurity, you feel smaller than you are. God is got a purpose and destiny for each of us. And that's the message that we want to share. So for each of your listeners, for anyone that's hearing this, um, know that you're significant and that you matter. And, uh, if the people you're around don't reinforce that, if you're not finding the right people, get around people that encourage that because, uh, we all need people that are going to call us into the destiny we have. Amen. Amen. You, it's a cliche at this point, but you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I say, make Jesus one of those people and, uh, (laughs) and find some good friends. Uh, amen. All right. Well, Hey friends, you can find, uh, Michael and his podcast. I've got links to him and all of, all of the things that he's doing in the show notes at halfway there podcast.com. Check that out. Once again, please, if you haven't given us a rating and review in iTunes, Uh, go do that. It would help us out a lot. Michael, thank you so much for being here and sharing a little bit of your story with us. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It's truly an honor. So glad we connected up. Me too. Thanks a lot. And I think I'm going to be on your show. So I'll share that with with these guys too. Thanks. Thanks.